Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Garoppolo. Thrown down. Brian Burns gets there. Spider-Man. What a pass rush by Burns. See how quickly he got to the edge and got This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. The gang is all here after a couple of weeks where we've been kind of all three of us in and out. All three of us are back. It's Believe in Carolina Panthers. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated beat writer Skylar Callahan and the Panthers all-time leading rusher in Jonathan Stewart. Uh, of course, every week live on Tuesdays here on the Believe Podcast Network and Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel. Uh, loaded show today. Of course, we're going to get into it. Um, the Carolina Panthers dropped to one and 12 on the season after falling to the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. We'll get to that. Uh, it's open mailbag, so of course, you guys can chime in if you're uh in and you're listening or watching the show, like our man Muscles Marinara down in Spartanburg, home of uh Monsters Subs. If you're down in that area, go check out those subs. That might be the best sub I've ever had in my life. So definitely All go right. down there and check that out. Or up your training camp. Yeah, yeah, they were the first people I thought of too when I saw they were moving training camp. I'm like, damn. <laughs> so uh, definitely, you can chime in with your your comments and your requests here, like everyone is in here. Uh, thanks for everybody stopping by. Uh, Stu's bright spots new segment. We decided we need to bring a little positivity uh, to the Panther fan base, and we're going to do that uh, today. Stu's going to give us something he saw that was positive in Sunday's <laughs> loss to the Panthers. Um, kind of like uh, going through a haystack and picking out you know gnats at this point but <laughs> i think still be able to handle it so he's got a little something he's going to tee up for us there around the league we'll talk about that offsides call in that chiefs bills game uh i don't think i've ever seen pat Mahomes so mad in his career <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about that uh the nfc is a dumpster fire uh it's not just us it's the whole the whole conference uh there might be two teams that get in uh with a sub 500 record into the playoffs so we'll talk about that as well and today we are starting our panther trials uh Who's responsible for this nonsense? We're going to try to get to the bottom of this. Each week for the rest of the season, we're going to pick out one player, personnel, front office exec, and we're going to kind of just go through the timeline and figure out how much they really have an effect on this season. Today, we're starting at the very top with owner David Tepper. Before we get into it, we're going to start off with Stu's Bright Spots. Uh, word from our sponsors at Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we're going to start with Stu's bright spots. What did you see on Sunday that made you smile, Stu, while I go and mute this television that's on the other side of the room here? <laughs> well, uh, you know, shout out to um, the offensive line creating some lanes, some running lanes. Bright spots, you know, it's been a struggle all season. I mean, if you look back, and if we could have ran the ball like we did on Sunday against the Saints, um, the intentionality, it seems, that we've been having the last two weeks, um, 
we could have probably won some some more games. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say we could have won, you know, the amount of games that would have us in playoff contention. Um, you know, I think our passing game right now is still, you know, at loss. But the bright spot is, you know, the struggles of protecting the quarterback still exist. But running the ball seems to be um, a task that the Carolina Panthers can handle. And the most consistent piece to that puzzle is Chuba Hubbard. Um, you know, I, I texted you guys, you know, the other day, you know, feeling really high, you know, about how I felt, you know, just seeing how hard he's been working, seeing really just like watching him progress throughout the last three years um, as a runner. I was very excited and, and, and listed off the fact that he could possibly be a top 15 running back in the league. Um, and I mean, I still think that he can be that, right? Top top 10, top 15, keep working, especially if we dedicate you know, ourselves as, a, as, a, as an organization to run the ball the way we have been, he can make his case. I mean, the way he runs, you know, one cut, get up field, and he's not afraid of contact. Um, you know, setting the tone, you know, as a running back, is one of the most important, you know, things in that at that position. It's an opportunity to set the stage. It's an opportunity, you know, to let the defense know it's going to be a long day. And he do, he's been doing that every chance he's had this whole entire year. Um, hasn't had that many opportunities, um, as I think he would like, as the fan base would like. Um, but he every time he touches the ball, he's making a case. So that's a bright spot, Chuba Hubbard, um, straight out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, 24 years old. I knew that. Shout out, shout out to you, my man. Keep keep working um, and keep being a dog. And then uh, Miles Sanders, running game. The running game. Like, you put this guy in space, he makes people look stupid. So... <laughs> Just figure it out. He just didn't have space. Right. And 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 people, you know, you know, like have a lot to say about him and, and how you know Carolina Prep has brought him in and and all that. Like as you can see, he he he's gifted. Um these these running backs, the guys that tote the the rock in this league, they are here for a reason. They're not here by mistake. There's a lot of guys that can make people look stupid and make people, you know, <clears throat> you know, fall off of their hips as they're breaking tackles. Um, but they're picked for a reason. Miles Sanders proved to to I think he's proved um, to the fan base to NFL that he is special. Um, and that one long run that he broke off there, that somehow we didn't figure out how to get into the end zone with uh, three, four opportunities. Still <laughs> so bothers me. We'll get we'll get to that. You know, <laughs> no, we ain't talking about what we're mad about. We, we just stick no, that's on right, the that's positives. Right. Yeah, we'll save it. We'll the save positives it. is that oh, Miles Sanders and Chuba oh. Hubbard. Let's give them a round of applause. Keep working. Keep trucking. Offensive line. Keep keep moving guys out the way. Keep moving that furniture and just stay ahead of, of any miscellaneous talk that you hear out here in these streets. 
the run game actually best run game of the season 207 yards totally uh well excuse me no i'm reading that wrong uh 204 yards rushing on the ground for the panthers on sunday uh held the saints to under 197 yards it's crazy when you look at the box score and you're looking through the numbers it's like how did carolina lose this game by the amount that they how did they lose 28 to 6 they they almost outgained the saints by 100 yards total um now granted we only threw for now uh bryce we i need to address this with bryce young because i've been getting this back and forth from they're, they're starting to grow into two camps and we saw it before with cam newton where it's like the cam can do no wrong why are you blaming cam newton camp and then it's the well maybe we need to look at bryce young camp and i've over the past two weeks i felt my anakin skywalker kind of move over to the well let's take a harder look at bryce because I feel like we've kind of given him a pass because he's he was the number one overall pick and the situation around him, which is completely understandable. But there was some things that like that he could work on, at least, that he wasn't really working on. Did either one of you notice? Because we didn't even talk on Sunday. I think we all were just kind of like, ugh, <laughs> like while we were watching it. Did any of you guys notice uh, that Bryce was actually dropping back in the pocket on Sunday, like more pronounced than in any other time this year? And yeah. what And what happened? He had more deeper balls. He was climbing the ladder. He was getting some weight behind those throws. And they were hitting. This was the first game all year, I felt like, where Bryce was sitting his dudes in the numbers, like in the face, like with the ball, and they were just dropping it. Like, they were dropping it all day. And he, he would have looked a lot better stat-wise if, like, DJ Chark had caught a couple of these. Uh, that one deep one he had to Mingo where he just kind of slightly overthrew him, but I can't tell if Mingo let up on the run. Um, I, I just I, And he was under center. He was under center a lot more on Sunday, too, and they did a lot more play action, which just naturally created more space for him as he's running back to survey the field. It looked like Bryce looked more comfortable throwing the ball on Sunday than he had. You know know why he was also? You know why he was also more comfortable? Because we had 200-plus yards rushing. We were running the ball. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we were running the ball. Like, this whole thing where he's like he's he's not comfortable under center, Buddy, you need to get comfortable. This is the NFL. Like, you can't be in shotgun 90% of the time. Like, it's not high school. You can't just stand back there like a statue and throw it around. And that debate had been going on for a couple of weeks. Of course, I had Joe Person on uh, Franchise Players last week after their article, him and Diana Rossini's article dropped on The Athletic last week, right after our show <laughs> it dropped. And uh, they basically just detailed everything that had been going on behind the scenes uh, with, with the Panthers. Uh, Scott, I was going to ask you, I asked Joe the same question. Being in the media and being, uh, you know, in the press room, you know, every week asking questions to the coaches and everything else all season, thinking back on it, do you do you recall there being tension like between the the, the coaches and staff, like in terms of like things they were saying at the podium, and do you do you recall a sort of rift or because it feels like it really kind of came to a head right around Thanksgiving, like around that area is when it really started to bottom out. I, I don't know. It's hard to read if there's tension, but I think there's difference in opinion um, because you would hear things that would that Frank would say on Wednesday, and then we talked to Thomas on Thursday, and it's like Thomas would give or be asked similar questions, but give slightly different answers, and maybe it'd be the other way around. But I, I feel like there was just a clear butting of heads, and, and and maybe it wasn't like you know Frank would always use this term healthy tension, right? And maybe it was healthy tension in the mm. terms of like they, they weren't maybe going at each other's throat, but maybe it was just they had their own ways in their offensive philosophies and it just clashed and it just never was able to mend together. But 
I think Bryce on Sunday, like I think he did look more comfortable throwing the ball, but I'll say he looked kind of anxious. Like he just yeah. he had a lot of happy feet in the pocket. It yeah. never really settled down. And I think a lot of that's just the pressure. I mean, for goodness sake, like they had an eight man protection and still got home. Like how how does that happen? Was that like, the one where the pocket just collapsed in like two seconds or whatever? And he yeah, just was underneath the mound of man, <laughs> like in the backfield. If he got beat on an inside move, I, I don't remember who it was. It may have been – I don't think it was Cameron Jordan, but he got beat on an inside move, just got pressure to the backside, and then Chuba and Tommy Tremble were, were in a, in a two-man – or a, uh, a duo block, and they just got beat off the edge too. And uh, that was the one that forced the fumble. So – or the interception, whatever you want to call it, but yeah, yeah. it was it, it was bad. But I mean, I think I think this is going to show more clarity. I think in what Thomas wants to do or what he wants to be as a play caller. The bad thing is, it's probably not going to be here in a, in about a month. So, and and this is kind of the, the the talk that I've been having with some of my people is just like, does it even make sense? Because we talked about it a week ago. Two weeks ago, does it make sense for Bryce to even be out there at this point? And I said on this very show, yes, keep him out there. I'm kind of going to the other side now. Like, switch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know because, like, does it really do him any good because of the confidence level? And you're putting him out there in harm's way. But there's also this aspect too, like he's not going to be in this offense in a in a couple of months. So what's the point in throwing him out there in an offense he's not going to run? You're putting him in harm's way. It's it's a it's a total mess right now. There's no benefit, I don't think, right now. I, I was there a couple of weeks ago. Like it, it just I, I'm trying to figure out what's the benefit of keeping him out there at this point because the man, this offensive line, and even with them under center and with the play action and some tweaks that they've done, it just it just lowered the sack total from set six or seven to three or four. <laughs> you know, that's all it really did. <laughs> it just cut it in half. What happens if God hey, that's progress? It's, it's progress. <laughs> it's, it's progress. Well, I'm just like, yo, <laughs> Bryce suffered a serious injury over these last four games, and it's like a long term deal. Like, just we're just throwing that hypothetical out there. That's going to have an effect on the coaching search. Yeah. Yeah, because that's he's kind of your he's your Ferrari in the garage at this point, right? Like out of all the assets we have, he's kind of he, he may not be the most proven. I mean, the most proven is obviously you know Brian Burns, Derek Brown, so on and so forth. But in terms of like, he's got to be number one because he's the guy you invested so much in, and he's the number one guy at the position. So like, I think you got to protect him a little bit. Not only physically, but mentally. I mean, this is a kid that has seen nothing and experienced nothing but success since he first touched the football. Oh, he's lost more this year than he probably has his entire high school and college career. Yeah, just in the past three months. Like, I can't even imagine. Imagine being Andy Dalton in this situation. Like, me in the locker room knowing that eventually they're going to be like, you go out there. <laughs> you go out there and do this. And he's been watching from the sideline this whole season. This offensive line just kind of turned into – it started off like on just one dude, and now it's almost like they haven't kept the same starting lineup in there, which was a benefit last year. They pretty much had the same line all year, and that was a great benefit to have. This year, man, they can't – dude, it was the first game. First of the game. Who was the guard that got hurt? Uh, McCray? 
first first yeah. play, <laughs> first play of the game, he gets carted out. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me! Like this is insanity, and it just it just piles on and piles on and piles on. I don't see now. We sat here and said that Bryce had a good game, but stat wise, he was 13 for 30. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Six for 137 yards, no touchdowns. He was one for 10 to start off the game. Um, so when I say he had a good game throwing it, I meant like comfort level in terms of throwing it deep because we hadn't really been seeing that all year. Sunday was the first day where we actually saw Bryce taking shots downfield. And I do feel like it's because either the article from Joe Person and Diana Rossini, he read it and was like, oh, maybe I'm not dropping back. Or somebody in the building read it and finally came up to him and was like, hey, start taking two, three steps back when you when you get the snap so you can see because <laughs> you can't see anything when you're just standing there. And I don't know. I just thought he looked a little better like that. But to your point, Skylar, he did have some happy feet. And actually, uh, Jonathan Vilma mentioned it on the broadcast that it looked like he had happy feet uh, in the game. And who can blame him at this point? But I do uh, want to mention yeah, one I'm thing. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. The ones that are defending Bryce Young, y'all got to chill. Because like y'all are coming at the ones that are questioning Bryce Young as if we're saying he's a bust. And we're not. I don't want him to be a bust. Like you just said, Skyler. I, if he's a bust, we're set back five years plus, you know, like if, if this does not work out, he can't be a bust. I'm not rooting against the kid, but it's not out of the realm of of uh, possibility to be like he was the number one draft pick overall and quarterback. And we gave up a fortune for him. And we're in week 13 or week 14 or whatever it is. Is it not unf- is it not fair to question some of Bryce Young's play at this point? Like, I mean, I'm not saying the dude is bad, but. I got I got asked a really good question yesterday on I think it was ESPN Charlotte. I did two ESPN ones I couldn't remember. I think it was ESPN Charlotte, and they were asking me, has Bryce progressed in any area since the start of the season? I started thinking, I'm like, damn, like I I don't I don't know that he has him. Like if you think about it, but I also don't think he's like regressed a lot either. I think he's, he's really yeah. just the same kid that he he's was before. Yeah, that's how like, I feel. Yeah, I'm honest with I don't know if. Uh... It's almost like he's going to go through rookie year all over again next year uh, yep. with whoever the coach is going to be that comes in. Because redshirt year, <laughs> yeah, it's a painful. I can tell you, I, I can tell you, I can tell you. Like as much as we want to sit here and look at games and say, "Man, I don't see the Panthers getting better because obviously they're one in ten, or or whatever the record is right now, one in ten, one in twelve. Uh, one in twelve. <laughs> I appreciate you trying to cut some of, them, some of the memories out of there, but yeah. <laughs> but um, they're one in twelve, and like you have a guy like Bryce, like it is what it is, and it ain't what it ain't. Right yeah. now, we can't make any judgments about who he is as a quarterback, and we 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 say this every week. Because he out there running from his for his life. He really he is. he's not playing. He's 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 say, he's he's protecting himself, trying to figure out how to deliver the ball under stress and continued stress. Um, you know, and and 
the fact of the matter is 10 guys have to, 11 guys have to execute and do their job on every single play, especially on offense. If one guy does not do their play, you will miss an opportunity. If one guy has a penalty, a flag, whatever it is, the play doesn't exist. So what we like, what I saw on this past this past game is execution. We call we can call for people's heads. I know we're going to get to who we blame, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like players play, coaches coach, and yeah, coaches are supposed to put guys in position to win. Um, which they figured that out in the run game. They put the running backs and the offensive line in position to win, which therefore helped Bryce Young in his passing game, give, giving him some opportunities to shoot the ball downfield. Um, now, on the receiving end on that, <laughs> execution from the receivers, right? Got to catch you know, it. it you got to catch the ball, and we, we get it. Like it's not as easy as it what it, it's not as easy as what everybody hopes it to to seem like. You're you're downfield, you're being guarded, you know, by a guy that's getting paid the same amount as you, and he's got a family, he's got to make a play, and yeah, we don't come up with the ball, but your job is to come up with the ball, especially when it's put on you. So there's a lot of things that just aren't happening. And, and and we can't sit here and say, oh, Bryce this, Bryce that. It's a multitude of a lot of things. And until we get some solid ground, you know, a good base, like we can't really shoot ourselves in the, you know, in the foot and, and create receipts that we're going to look back on one day and say, that I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I just wanted Bryce to back up in the pocket. That was really my only thing that I've been hearing. Right. Just, just take things back, man. And and he finally and I think, and I think maybe he's doing that because he there there was an alleviated pressure from the run game. Like you guys, if if you know that guys are about to hit a home run on you, defense is going to play a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> start you start slashing guys. And running lanes and all that, they they're gonna play different. And and we saw, I think we saw that, um, you know, on Sunday. And we had opportunities. I mean, you look at the play calling. We can say, what was he thinking? But had they connected and executed, we would have been like, man, he's the greatest offensive coordinator ever. Oh, but they I, didn't. And you just reminded me of what? Yeah, because we need yeah, we need to discuss this. <laughs> I completely forgot about it until you mentioned that part. What were they doing? Um, was it third and one about midfield? Fourth and one about midfield what? twice. And they lined up empty backfield shotgun and threw it deep. You only needed what you do was running for like four yards a clip or whatever at that point. And like you throw it deep. Yeah, throw that out route. I, I'm just like, Even I was going on fourth down. But, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, it just it felt like it felt like high school play calling to me. And like, uh, did you see uh, Thomas Brown's wife had put up that tweet about how they're already fired or whatever, and they're only there it's because somebody needs to call plays? Nonstop drama. And then her Twitter, she deleted her Twitter account like immediately, like after that. So it's not even there anymore. I mean, I think what it is, man, it's a reminder that that that's a reminder that these are human beings, fellas. Yeah. They call them plays. It's their job. 
but they are at the hands of everyone to make a statement with these Twitter fingers. But that was like, ain't nobody, well, ain't, nobody, ain't nobody got no time for that. If you put the average person out of nowhere and put them out there into the space where everybody can see them, oh, why'd you stop at Starbucks and that Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh why'd you walk your dog? Why'd you walk your dog twice today? Like in, in the span of two hours. You should let him you should let him just roam around the backyard. Like, or why'd you feed your child that? That's, that's that yeah. all the chemicals in it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, if you really like think about it, like it's just it's a it's it comes with the territory. Yeah. But what this is a reminder of is that people in that stadium. Are, they care about they care more about this than you do. Trust me, they right. care more about winning than anybody else. It's their livelihood on the line. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so, the funny thing about it is, last I'm trying to think. I think it was Thursday. We were in a locker room, and I was talking to Nick Carboni, who's at WCNC, and we were just chatting up in the locker room. And then all of a sudden, Sam Franklin just walks by, and he's got this like. Mike, I don't even know what it is. It's like some sort of microphone that some camera people use for the Panthers. And he walks straight up to Nick and goes, so what do you think about your boss? And he started talking about, like, asking Nick all these random questions about his boss and stuff. And he's like, yeah, you don't like it, do you? It was Good for him. Yeah, that's awesome. I love he that. Wasn't, he wasn't taking a shot at Nick because we, we weren't even Who Who was this? Sam Franklin. Oh, what? Sam Franklin, man, that's a national yeah. treasure. Make sure you. Yeah, I like him. him. He's this year's Frankie Louvu to me. Like he's, he's just somebody we yeah. uncovered that's just like there that we can figure out how to keep. I will he's say this man. too. Uh, Frankie Louvu, man, we, he's just out there doing Louvu, it every week. They got to sign Louvu, and I don't. I have completely shifted this. I was thinking Brian Burns was priority number one. You need to go sign Derek Brown. You need to go sign Derek oh, Brown right now. Let's talk about Derek Brown. <laughs> you need to go sign him right you now. Of, you got a you got a round of applause thing on your thing. No, nah, we've just been doing oh, this. Oh. Yeah, just to, yeah. But now Derek Brown has been looked like a man around children yeah. the past like. The way he did y'all see the way he slung like, Alvin Kamara? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah, hey, hey, hey man, he got kid. I think he got kid. I don't know. I think he, he just walked he's off. He's a grown man. He's a don't do that. He got his fifth year options coming up. You've got to, you got to keep Derek Brown and build around him. Have y'all seen the basketball play? It just happened like a couple weeks ago. The dude swatted the ball. Got it, and then the the kid was laying on the ground out of bounds, and he just threw it on him, like as disrespectful as it could be, because he's already out of bounds. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Like, man, that's so disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, like why hey, even try? Derek Brown, like Debo, not Debo <laughs> Samuels, but yeah. Debo from Friday. That's so my maybe, trade, bro. hey, from the Matt Rule era, my maybe trade. they got that right. So uh, with Derek Brown, his fifth year extension coming up. We don't know what's going to happen with Brian Burns and all that stuff there too. Before we get to the trial of David Tepper, though. Uh, me and Joe Person were actually talking about this at the end of uh, our segment last week, and I realized I've got a member of the 2010 team on the panel right here. Stu, real quick, if the 2010 roster was completely healthy, who would win between the 2010 Carolina Panthers and the 2023 Carolina Panthers? Ooh. Oh. Us. 2010. Because we, we were like, is this the worst season in Carolina Panthers history? And Joe was like, well, it's either between this and 2010. And bless his heart, Joe was like, 2010 was his first season on the beat for Carolina. So that was when he first started covering the team. And he's like, oh, God, every year it'll be like this. Don't get me, he's like, don't this get one's me started on, fun. Don't get me started on Joe. 
But uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, man. We what we had what was that what was that quarterback Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen. Yeah. So Matt Moore got hurt. Uh, Tony Pike was in there once or twice. Um, Brian St. Pierre. Was that right? Yeah, that sounds yeah, familiar. Man. Was Vinny Testaverde? Was that? No, 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 no. That might a year or two before. So Just Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, you know, Jimmy. I was Jimmy Clausen's first touchdown. Word? It was against the, really? it was against the Saints. I you just saw something. He wouldn't sell his number to Cam Newton. I just saw that like, not too long ago, like a month or two ago, because he was wearing number two. And that was yeah, man, Cam Newton. So we, it was Jimmy Clausen, me, D'Angelo, Tony Pianetta, mm-hmm. Steve Smith. David Gattis. Steve Smith, Jeff King. I mean, Steve Smith. I mean, look, we if our offensive line was solid, like we just Jordan Gross. We, like we were just maybe it was play calling. I can't really like name it, but that it was just I, I was trying year. to think. I was trying to remember that year too, because I was like, why were we? That I mean, that, it, I it was a lot of injury. It was a lot was, of injury. It was it was quarterback play. I think you know, like you throw a guy that you know they drafted, uh, Jimmy Clausen. And, you know, I, I would say that he wasn't necessarily prepared. You know, I think that he came into the situation feeling and understanding that he was going to have some time behind Matt Moore. Um, Matt Moore gets injured and he gets thrown into the fire. You know what I'm saying? And Yeah. Um, Man, Matt Moore. And, 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 and that – and I think that in itself, you know, speaks volumes as far as, you know, what it takes to – you know, to actually play well in this league. You have Bryce Young, who's a rookie, and essentially he's thrown into the same type of fire. <laughs> like with, um, less, with less around him. With, with, less, <laughs> with less, less around him, you know? And, I mean, if he had Steve Smith, man, you. a game changer. Jordan Gross, yeah, I mean, left tackle. <laughs> Jordan Gross, like, you have, you have Brian, Brian Khalil. Like you ain't gonna tell. Yeah, it, I ain't gonna sit here and tell you that they gonna beat up, beat that team twenty ten. Yeah, like I mean, this team can't Charles, score. Got, this team can't score touchdowns. Period. Like you got John Beeson. Uh, you got John Beeson, Dan Connor, James Anderson, TD. Yeah. Charles Godfrey. Yeah. Rob Martin. What would be? What would be the total? Like the over under between that those two offenses? Because like, I think I think the twenty ten mm. averaged like twelve point three points a game. And this wow. offense can't get above 18. So probably 25, 27. <laughs> like seriously, because again, I when we, I was watching this I on Sunday, I'm like, knew, we, I think if we knew who we was playing, we would have rose rose to the occasion. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we played us. Okay. Oh, we're playing go. us. We're playing the future us. Future us. Oh, we're gonna beat we're gonna beat the snot out of them youngsters. <laughs> but that question came up because we were like, because even 20 uh, 2001, the one in 15 season uh, where Chris Winkie was quarterback, that one was I, I remember them being competitive that year and just losing games. Like like it wasn't yeah. like they were getting blown out. 2010, it was just it was just, it was just hard to get in the, in the end zone. Man. In the end zone. I just yeah, I just re- I just remember it, it was very similar to you know what they're experiencing now, where it's like you feel like every game you find another way to lose type of syndrome. Um, I remember going up to Pittsburgh, playing Pittsburgh. I don't know if it was a Thursday night game or, Friday, or Monday night game, Sunday night game, but it was cold, and we had we we should have beat them. 
and we just couldn't <laughs> we couldn't yeah. move the ball that was the memory um, yeah it was just like yeah, yeah. like i <laughs> like i remember like scratching and clawing um i was stiff arming people all kind of stuff it just wouldn't work could the 2010 <laughs> coaching staff get more out of this roster 2010 was uh john fox it was oh, last yeah. it was last coach- year john fox i'm oh, probably <laughs> probably yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so coach uh, fox would have gotten coach i think coach fox would have done well with this roster i think um, he would have well with bryce like in terms yeah. of like, hey, man, it is what it is, man. Just move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bad day to have a bad day. Um, the uh, let's, let's, let's get into it, the main event for today, uh, the trials of the Carolina Panthers. I wanted to do something that we could look forward to over the next four weeks, and obviously uh, the fan base has been kind of chomping at the bit to kind of figure out who who's the most responsible for what we are witnessing out here. And I want to start off at the very, very top, Panthers owner David Tepper. I went and pulled two things. I've been holding on to something for about a month that I remembered from back on draft day um, when we drafted Bryce. If you remember, Scott Fitter and Frank Wright were at the podium. They're talking about them picking. And then, like, out, out of nowhere, like, from behind a curtain. Out of a door. Uh-huh. Yeah, he just kind of popped out. <laughs> David Tepper just was like, hey, what's up? And he just started talking to us all of a sudden with no microphone. He just started going into detail. And uh, he said something that now, in hindsight, when I go back and listen to it, it explains so much in terms of like what we've been watching. Um, and I wanted to go pull it and I'm a, I'm just going to, I'm going to play this part here for you guys to, uh, to hear him to discuss why they picked uh, Bryce young and, and the logic behind it here. Which one of these guys will be, you know, a guy that can take us here. What's the probability that this guy can take? Cause there's no sure thing. So not to talk about all the different guys, but we thought this guy had the highest probability of winning Super Bowls. And I think for myself, and I, I don't want to speak for Frank, and I think he feels the Scott, we feel the same way. Listen, you want to win Super Bowls. And, you know, there's no sure thing here, but it's a probability sort. And we thought this guy has the best probability of, of winning us Super Bowls. You know, the way he throws the ball, the way he's a point guard, how you can use the different players in the field, how you might not have to have as many as elite Receivers because he's the point guard, right? So he, he distributes the ball to people with routes. So you can save some money there. You know, we believe we can save money other place, places because of him and, and, and put that money into the defensive side of the ball. So it's like this is a guy that when you talk about here for us, for this Carolina Panther team from, you know, um, you know from the time, you know, I guess, you know, Matt Rowland, talk about the process we went through. Defense. Did anybody pick up? what that man just said <laughs> in front of all of us here. He literally just basically told us that by us drafting Bryce Young, we picked Bryce because we felt like if we had Bryce, he could be the point guard and we could spend less money on skill position players because Bryce could distribute the ball. Did I hear that correctly? Did he not just say that to us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's what I'm hearing. So if that's what he's saying, think about what we have on this roster right now. Like in terms of what they did, like immediately after that took place, they went out and signed DJ Chark and Hayden Hurst and a 33-year-old Adam Thielen. They overspent on Miles Sanders probably, but they pretty much did what David Tepper said. They didn't spend a whole lot of money on skill position players because they had Bryce. And they felt like if they had Bryce at point, he could elevate these other players, which goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. The number one overall pick usually picked that player because that player can elevate those around him. 
you don't usually pick somebody at number one that needs a bunch of things around him in order for him to be successful. And that's what I keep hearing from the Bryce Young camp. That's not what David Tepper was saying on draft day. But the thing that stuck out to me was the whole, we're going to save money here and there by doing that. It sounds like he's running the Panthers like a hedge fund. Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like when things go wrong, he dumps early. You know, he gets out, gets out of the market if the stock's going down. If he sees something going up, he'll take a chance on it pretty quick. But you can't run a football team this way. And that was the very first thing I thought of and went back to go find it to make sure I heard it right was him making that comment. Because I don't remember any of us really making a big deal out of what he said at the time. Like, none of us, not that I can remember in the press or media or anything, nobody was really like, what do you mean by that? That they're not going to, are they not going to spend on skill position players? And now we've seen it. Like, we've seen the plan. So, I wanted to get your your uh, reactions to that soundbite that was back in April uh, on draft night from David Tepper. And now looking at it in hindsight in December and the way we've seen his roster constructed, did he pretty much tell us what he was going to do? Or was that just kind of an off-the-cuff type thing where he didn't know what he was talking about? I mean, I, I guess I'll go first so Stu can kind of clean us up here. <laughs> but uh, I part of me feels like that whole spiel – I mean, it's draft night. They're all having a good time, right? And they're feeling good about themselves. They're just having a good old grand old time. And I think the, just the overwhelming excitement. When you're an owner and you have the first overall pick, you're going to say a lot of things you probably don't need to be saying. And hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, should he even spoke there? Maybe, maybe not. No. Um, <laughs> Again, this was set up for for Scott and Frank, like Des mentioned. Tepper came in through the same door, but was kind of standing off to the side. And then he just kind of randomly interjected right there, that clip that you just showed. No one asked him a question. He just popped in and started talking. Took over. The excitement taking over, the fandom as an owner that you have. Um, But look, like regardless of what good quarterbacks or what – quarterbacks that have been throughout the league, the really good ones still have really good pieces around. Joe Burrow has Chase Young. Trevor Lawrence right now has uh, Calvin Ridley. Patrick Mahomes had Tyreek Hill. You see what the Chiefs uh, have looked like without much of a receiving court, even with Mahomes at quarterback. Brock Purdy, look how – I mean, he's been good, but look, my goodness, all the the weapons that he's had. You go throughout the years, Big Ben, Antonio Brown, Cam Newton had Steve Smith for a spell. Like, it's – Every good player has to have talent around him. It's hard to judge Bryce Young when he can't even do his job. He doesn't have time to throw the football. And then when he does, we're seeing guys slip on the turf or not run a route hard, or which leads to an interception, or they're dropping passes. There's no run game. It looks like there's 15 guys on the field for the for the opposing team when the Panthers have the football. Because it there's it, that's a great yeah. It feels like everything is hard. <laughs> like the, the, the most simplest plays just look like they're run in mud. Like just it, everything three yards is hard <laughs> to get. Like it's just so and hard. Say, the, the the thing about Tepper is he's very involved. We all want, we all know this. How involved he is on a day to day basis and all these rumors about him going to somebody with a play. Like I, I don't know how true that stuff is. I don't know anybody will know. But the next coach that comes in, and I wrote about this, has to have an understanding that this owner is going to want to win right away, as they all do. But he's going to be heavily involved, and that coach can't have or can't be affected by that. 
I think Frank Reich, when he was in Indy, he kind of dealt with this with Jim Mercer. And I feel like it was just like, oh, I got to deal with this again. And some some coaches may not be affected by that. I think Frank was just kind of like, I've already been through this before. I just want to do my job. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how I read it. And me and, and Sheena Quick and, and Vashti Hurt, we were talking about this earlier last week. It's almost like the Panthers need to get an alpha male as a head coach. Somebody that just commands the room, tells you what it is, doesn't care. If the owner comes to him, yeah, we'll sit down and talk, but I'm not going to be affected by it. And I think that's what they need moving forward. I don't know who that's going to be, but Tepper's got to find that. And he still has to understand his place in, the, in this business. Like, he has to understand football guys have to do the football things. I can still intervene, but he's got to be willing to take a step back. If he has his hands all over this thing, it's going to be hard for them to find any progress. See, I don't know if he can. That's the that's the thing, because everything we've seen the past six years, he's pretty much been a hands-on owner in terms of uh, his fingerprints are pretty much on everything. So I started off with him uh, with these trials because every the buck stop, stops with him. He's made it that way. Uh, he said it himself, too. Buck stops with me. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh is the first name that came to mind when you're talking about that kind of coach. Steve Wilkes was the second. Um, he, you know, commanding him. Who I mentioned to, to Sheena and Vashti, and, and obviously he's not going to come open, but I'm just saying like someone like him would be like a Dan Campbell type guy. Yeah. Someone you would just run through a wall for. Ron Rivera. Yeah. Ron Rivera was kind of like that, in my opinion, where he he it was funny, the uh that Amazon series uh that they did on the Panthers, I think it was the 2017 Panthers, 28. It was the year Cam got hurt with the shoulder thing in Pittsburgh. And uh People were shocked because Ron Rivera at halftime of that Pittsburgh game was in the locker room talking to the team and he was cussing everybody out. <laughs> and nobody really heard Ron like that before. <laughs> so everybody's yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. <clears throat> and being a head being a head coach, you need someone that's gonna be able to delegate. Yes. Um as, and, and the thing is, you know, as hands-on as you think head coaches are they really shouldn't be so hands-on and in the mix of every single thing because it's impossible to actually do that if you are delegating. You, as a head coach, whoever that person's going to be next, um, you have to you have to trust your you know your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, your position coaches to coach. You're coaching the coaches. You know what I'm saying? You coach the coaches on what you want to see as a final product. And as well as, you know, the, the other things, you know, there's the business side to it, you know, showing up for, you know, the fans and, you know, tickets and and, and making sure you're getting all those things promoted and, and whatnot as, as not the face of the franchise, but as the delegator of the franchise <laughs> at the end, you know what I'm saying? So being able to talk with the owner and being able to like have thick skin with the owner, being able to, you know, you know, say what you say, what you mean and mean what you say, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and be able to have something to back that up, you know? And I think, you know, this situation as it continues to build and, if we keep on losing games, like the expectation of winning is just going to continue to grow. Um, so this job is not going to be for 
you know, the faint at heart. So you got to come in here with your bootstraps and, and, and you know, your bulletproof vest <laughs> and get to work. <laughs> um, the other uh, component to this trial of David Tepper that I pulled up here uh, when I was talking to Joe Person last week on franchise players, something I, I hadn't even thought about it really, but David Tepper's on this team for six years. Who is he paid other than Christian McCaffrey? He hasn't doled out any kind of major contract to any Matt player. And the, he, paid and the, he paid Matt Rule, yeah. <laughs> he paid Matt That's Rule. What I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, fellas. We got a we got next year. This free agency is gonna be something to look at. This makes me worry. But we gotta, though, but we gotta make sure but we, money. But, but we gotta we gotta make sure we have we hire the correct people and we gotta make sure that the end of this season goes as it needs to go. So that way guys in the free agency market sees the Carolina Panthers as some, as some place they want to be at. Here's a, uh, here's a clip from last week describing that. You can't, David Tepper hasn't really paid anybody since he's been here in six years. And I hadn't really thought about it except for Christian McCaffrey. And then they traded him off on a panic week after they fired Matt rule and looking back on it, it's like, why did you trade him again? I'm trying to figure out why you traded this dude for no reason, really. Like they just kind of yeah. traded him out of here. So uh, and then they held on to Brian Burns when he could have brought even more assets than than McCaffrey. The Rams have been sniffing around twice for this dude, and each time they're like, "No, no, he's like, we're going to get him. We got him." But at this point, if you're Brian Burns, what's going to make you resign here? Like you're going to be on your sixth head coach like in six right. years or whatever. Right. So it uh, it's just a mess. Um, so thinking about that, I'm like, well. They haven't paid anybody like they haven't paid anybody other than McCaffrey. And when they did McCaffrey, remember, it was um, it was basically the dismantling of the 2015 team, team at that point. Like Cam had been cut. Luke had retired. Jordan Gross reti- was kind of forced into retirement the way I remember it. Um, TD got cut. Um, Stu moved on. Like all, all of you guys kind of moved on uh, right there at 2018, 2017, 2018 season. And then uh just out the blue, they signed McCaffrey to this big extension because they wanted him to be the face of the franchise in the transition, right? I think Luke Keekley retiring and, and what happened with Cam especially is what pushed them to give McCaffrey that money. But then you trade him two years later and you haven't signed Brian Burns. Derek Brown's coming up. I'm just kind of thinking about you didn't sign Hassan Reddick, which you could have kept, which would have been huge. You didn't keep Stephon Gilmore. Like all these players that they didn't retain, and a lot of that, some of that has to go to the owner, right? Like it's his decision to, to spend the money. I think to his to his defense, in some way, you have to be you have to be careful with when you spend your money. You can't get a you can't put the cart in front of the horse. Like you've got to be you got to be careful in how you use your resources. You don't want to spend millions of dollars when you don't even have an answer at quarterback. And for the better part of his ownership, you were trying to search for that guy at quarterback. When they found the quarterback that they like, Bryce, we don't know if he's going to be a franchise guy or not, but that's what they're, they're thinking he's going to be. Now you can start really trying to invest into this team and start putting those mon- in that money into free agents or trades or whatever, because you've already done it. You've already invested so much into getting Bryce Young. Now you're, you're all the way in. You can't back out now. You, before, yeah. you had to find – that guy at quarterback, you're not going to spend millions of dollars on a Hassan Reddick, even though it'd be nice to keep him. 
in in other guys when you don't even have an answer quarterback? Because if you don't have an answer quarterback, you're not going anywhere. But I, I think you need to spend money. But now it's reversed. Now you think you might have an answer quarterback, but you don't know for sure because you have nothing around him. <laughs> so it's because you let it all go or you traded it all away. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like chicken and egg. So it's like, so now what do you do? Because you can't protect the asset you just brought in because you didn't keep anything before you brought him in. And I, a lot of that's got to go to me, to David Tepper. If we're pr- trying to do this like in a pot chart, like who who has more responsibility or blame or whatnot, I think you got to give David Tepper a hard whew, 40, 50 percent of this, like because some of this is based off of things he has told us. He's flat out told us this is the plan. <laughs> this is what we're doing. And he didn't lie. They did exactly what he said, and it didn't work out. <laughs> so now it's like you didn't hire fan favorite Steve Wilkes, who I just saw that clip of him uh, when he won that first game in the locker room where um, Tepper gave him the game ball. Like that was the peak of the past six years, probably. <laughs> like right there when when Wilkes won that game and the emotion in that locker room, and we were all thinking this this is Panther football. Like this is what we remember Panther football being. And then he kind of pushed that out and wanted something fresh and something new, something that pops, you know, get the crowd going. And it never did. And now it's twice on coaches. Twice. You've got to get the third one right. I have no I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to if they're going to do the same process, especially if fitters with it. And fitters probably going to be next week. Um, <laughs> but if fitters involved in the same coaching search that he just was in, what makes me think they're going to? bring in anything different, especially if he's stuck on this offensive-minded coach thing that I keep hearing, that he wants offensive-minded coach. I just want the best coach. <laughs> I just want a guy that can lead a room. He don't have to be offensive-minded. That's what the offensive coordinator's for. Like, that's why I didn't understand, why is Thomas Brown even here? Like, what was he doing the whole year? If he wasn't calling plays, what do you do if you're the offensive coordinator and you're not calling plays? What's your role? What do you do? Wow, boy. Why is this man? Listen, man, he's here because they thought that he can make that he can, you know, <laughs> you do even still here. Right? What are you doing here? They thought that they he had the juice and that he would call the right plays. That's why he's here. Oh man. Oh, it's such a mess. Um <laughs> real quick before we get out of here. Um I wanted to address the offsides call in the Kansas City Buffalo game on Sunday night. Um, what's, the, what's the wide receiver's name? Uh, Kadarius Tony. Tony. He has been dragged all year on social media for drops and things and that. Um, I see both sides of it because on one hand, I see where Mahomes is coming from. You don't want to call a play like that. I mean, you don't want to call a flag on something like that at that part of the game. But – to I think it was Rex Ryan that mentioned this and and Dan Olofsky, it is the wide receiver's responsibility to check to make sure that they are not offsides. It's not the referee's responsibility to tell the wide receiver. He did check, but he didn't even look over at the he didn't look at the ref. Yeah. He I think he looked at the ball, <laughs> but he, if he did, he clearly <laughs> could see that it's right there. Like he's blocking the ref's view of the ball. <laughs> like you are yeah. offside, sir. Like you can't do that. It's so, one of those things as young young players have to develop good habits. You know, and, and I think that's basically the underlying story here is that Kadarius Tony, you know, they showed multiple clips where he was offsides. Yeah. You know, and All that. Yep. You know, that that goes back to his tendencies, right? And um, I mean, one can argue, hey, ref, give us an actual warning. Um so that way we know about it. And if that didn't happen, then shame on the ref. But at the end of the day, the rules are the rules. 
you got to follow the rules. Yeah. It just... and, and, and none of this would have been, you know, a big deal. And I'm pretty sure he knew that this big play was about to come to him. So I don't know. It doesn't look like it was scripted. Like if you watch it, like yeah. he was he was actually pouting. He was pouting on the route because he got like almost doubled on yeah. the route. Yeah, like you see him like throw like a yeah. fist, like uh, or whatever, and he turns Travis around, Kelsey. he's jogging up the Travis, field, and all of a sudden Travis Travis Kelsey Kelsey throws it a, to him. Yeah, he's just a gamer. <laughs> yeah, like literally, uh, like it was not a planned play. Like Kelsey just decided to take it into his own hands, and that's what Tony was like. He was lollygagging kind of behind the play because he was uh, either he yeah. was mad there was no pass interference or well, didn't get looked at or whatever. And the next thing well, you know, just, he's running in for a touchdown. <laughs> I just put it all back on you know tendencies, right? He's he's got to practice better habits um, so that way he doesn't put in, his team in that situation ever again. The, and then I think you know the, I think the referees got to figure out you know the NFL's got to figure out what can what's good what calls that are changing. Um, the outcomes of the game, like we need more consistency. You know what I'm saying? If guys are going to be lined up offsides, you need to go to your protocol. Yeah. Hey, you're offsides. Throw the flag so that way guys know. If it if it's not if, if it's a gray area type of penalty, then hey, let's let's not call it, let's not throw the flag from the most pivotal game point of the game groundbreaking you know part of the game because i mean you know we've seen i think was it the the chiefs earlier on in the in the year where they had an offensive tackle that was shooting off like off the line of scrimmage oh the yeah snap. you're right yeah yeah was it them mm-hmm, i think I so mean, stuff like that where you're just missing because oh well i don't have time for that like i'll let that slide like if you're gonna let things slide then let let things slide but if you're going to be accountable, then hold people accountable. Um, practice good habits for all the young receivers out here, out there. Um, you know, just just check with the coach, just check with the referee. Make sure the referee sees you. Give a double take. Get to you get lined up. That's why it's important to get lined up mm-hmm. and know what you're doing, so that way you feel like you're not rushed into your, you know, to in, in what you have to do. And check with the the referee, double take, so he sees you. Yell at him if he can't see you. Point at him something. Yeah, I see this in the high school level all the time. The wide receiver will go out, the first thing they do is look at the ref and check to make sure they're on side. The ref will give a thumbs up, and they're good to go. Like, And Tony never looked at the ref at all. (laughs) He's over looking at the snap. It, like I mean, that's why I'm like, how do you not know you're offside? You're looking at the ball, <laughs> like you're right, literally, like you're the only person in the neutral zone, like you can see it, and you just yeah. kept on going, and you probably negated one of the greatest plays in NFL history because, like, I literally, I jumped up out my my couch and was screaming. I was like, oh my gosh, did you just? My wife's in here on headphones, like playing solitaire or something on her computer, and not oh, even paying man. attention. Solitaire. Yeah, she got playing oh all of crazy parts of solitaire too. And I'm like, oh my God, that was the greatest play I've ever seen. And she's like, what? What? Like she's like annoyed that I'm being loud. <laughs> like they're in the game. Like you gotta see the replay. You gotta hey, see man, the replay. Hey, and they never time, show the replay. Yeah. <laughs> next time watch the game on your computer and with your headphones on. Yeah, she probably would appreciate that more. <laughs> that way she can focus on her solitaire, man. <laughs> serious so, out here. Well, it's, uh, Skyler had to get out. He had a Sports Illustrated meeting. He had to get to it at 1130. We're, we're about to bounce as well. Um, next week, we'll do Scott Fitter, Panther Trials. Uh, the Panthers ticking on. Who we got this week? I've completely forgotten who we who were playing. Um, it is the 
Falcons. Falcons. Sunday, one o'clock on Fox. Um, I believe that's a home game, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, they came up here uh, when we played them earlier in the year. So that's no, no, no. We went to Atlanta. No, it's, it's yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that's it. That's a uh, Bank of America uh, stadium. And then the Packers on Christmas Eve, uh, the week following that, Jaguars on New Year's Eve, uh, right after that. So got some interesting matchups coming up here. We'll get a chance to see Jordan Love and the Packers in two weeks. Uh, I don't know who the Falcons are going to be starting a quarterback at this point because my understanding was Desmond Ritter is pretty much done. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, but other than that, make sure you rate and subscribe. Uh, all major podcast platforms go to youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Subscribe there. You can get the uh, notifications for when we go live. Usually it's on Tuesday, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes in the early morning. Um, this will be up on the Believe Podcast Network, the audio version of it here a little bit later on today. Um, and just appreciate everybody that stops by, gives comments. Uh, I know it's been a hard season. Um, it's one of the, the toughest seasons I've ever had trying to cover the Panthers, but. I feel like Panther content creators are kind of banding together to make sure we give you guys fresh content and you can still be somewhat entertained uh, over the course of the season. And we'll eventually get into, you know, draft talk, coaching, search, all that stuff. We're used to it at this point. So uh, we know what it is about that time of the year uh, <laughs> after we get out. Of good, times, good times are ahead. Do it again. Everybody we'll again. get into the holiday <laughs> spirit. Yeah. You know, eat good. We have two you weeks here. Right. Yeah, we're gonna be all the right. The good thing is that the league is set up for some really good finishes in every division, it seems like. Yeah, a lot of six and sevens and seven and sixes. So look, you know, grab a bag of potato chips, your favorite beverage. Don't let the Panthers the bring you in. Yeah, don't, don't let the let Panthers bring you yeah, don't let your the Panthers down. bring you down. There's a lot there's a lot of good things going on out here in this world. That's right. Bad, exactly. too. There's a lot of bad too. And yeah. so it could always be worse. So until next week, <laughs> we'll see where we are next week for Skylar Callahan and Jonathan Stewart. I'm Desmond Johnson. You've been watching and listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on Believe Podcast Networks, uh, presented by Bet Online. Keep on it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.